Hey, if you're a workplace coach or work in HR or anyone working with challenging conflict situations at work, we've created a coaching method that any coach can learn. The goal of New Ways for Work Coaching is to help employees or whoever is taking it to learn personal relationship skills for productive relationships. Essentially, it gives employees a chance to learn new skills and to change before big decisions are made about their employment. Sometimes they're just lacking skills and New Ways will teach them. If you'd like to know more about it, we offer our New Ways for Work coaching training two to three times a year. And these trainings are a combination of on-demand, which you can watch 24-7, and Zoom training with Sherilyn Knapp and Bill Eddy on the on-demand portions. You'll find the link for this in the show notes below. Sign up at highconflictinstitute.com forward slash upcoming dash courses or email us at info at highconflictinstitute.com. Welcome to It's All Your Fault on True Story FM, the one and only podcast dedicated to helping you identify and deal with the most damaging humans, people with high conflict personalities. I'm Megan Hunter, and I'm here with my co-host, Bill Eddy. Hi, everybody. And we're the co-founders of the High Conflict Institute in San Diego, California. In today's episode, we're going to talk about paranoid high conflict personalities. But first, we have a few quick reminders. We want to hear from you. Have you dealt with a high conflict situation? Been blamed? Experienced violence or abuse from an HCP? Or maybe you simply dread seeing that person again, but you probably have to tonight at home or tomorrow at work. Send us your questions and we just might discuss them on the show. You can submit them by clicking the Submit a Question button at our website, highconflictinstitute.com slash podcast, emailing us at podcast at highconflictinstitute.com, or dropping us a note on any of our socials. You can find all the show notes and links at highconflictinstitute.com slash podcast as well. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review, and please tell all your friends about us. Telling just one person that you like the show and where they can find it is the best way you can help us out and help more people learn how to address high-conflict people. We appreciate you so much, and now, on with the show. In this episode, we continue talking about the five types of people who can ruin your life. In the previous three episodes, we talked about narcissistic, antisocial, and histrionic HCPs, which is an acronym for high-conflict people. In this episode, we are talking about paranoid HCPs. This one has always been a little confusing for people because the other four types can also appear to have, you know, paranoia. And and then other mental health disorders may also experience the same. But paranoid personality disorder is a little different. Personally, it it took a few years for me to really understand um, paranoid personality disorder, and it remains to be the one that's sort of the most mysterious for me. Um, so I guess we'll just dive right in, Bill, and talk about what is paranoid personality disorder and, you know, the paranoid uh, high conflict personality yeah, I'm glad you made that distinction because we want to tell people about personality disorders 
in terms of the ones who have targets of blame. That's the high conflict personalities or HCPs, as we as we often say. And by the way, we say this to understand them, not to say this to a person. Don't tell anybody you think they're an HCP or have a personality disorder because these personalities are very defensive and that no one likes to be labeled. Um, but you also should understand what you're dealing with. That's why we're doing this whole podcast. So in terms of HCPs, they have targets of blame. In terms of paranoid personality disorder, they generally are, are extra suspicious that they have exaggerated fears. They see things as more threatening than they are. They see things as much more dangerous than most people see things. They may hear things as personal attacks that are unrelated to them. They go, I know you're talking about me and I resent it. And you're not talking about them. And so they often start a conflict that wasn't there because they think there was one there and they get defensive and counterattack. And often that's the problem with paranoid is because they think someone's out to get them, they initiate a conflict. And that's really confusing to people because they go, whoa, I, I wasn't doing that. And now you're attacking me for doing that. They often see conspiracies, like in the workplace, they see, well, my co-workers are conspiring against me. That's why they're whispering. Well, they're whispering because they know how sensitive the paranoid person is, and they don't want to trigger their sensitivity. Or they may say, I'm not progressing in the workplace. I'm not getting promotions because other people want to ruin me, when in fact, it's their own behavior. And so this is the personality that often, often blames other people for doing what they're doing. In other words, they're creating conflicts that aren't there. Um, and there's some research says that it's paranoid personalities, the personality most likely to sue their employer. So this is mm. one where the workplace uh, runs into trouble. Uh, and they don't always understand that maybe what's going on here isn't what the person's saying and that they're exaggerating it because of their personal perceptions. So that's a lot of what that personality is like. It brings to mind uh, someone I knew in the past who would come up with some really bizarre statements like, you know, I, I, I know that, that this particular person doesn't like me because you know, that I saw them in the, the aisle at the grocery store and just the look on their face, I, I could tell. I could tell she hates me. And you're thinking, <laughs> how, what? <laughs> so is that, would that be an, an example? Yeah, that, that would be. Now, what's interesting is I also have a similar story of uh, waiting in line at a grocery store and a man punched the woman and knocked a tooth out that was in line behind him because he thought she was talking about him. Wow. Well, he seemed to have schizophrenia. And so schizophrenia often has some paranoid aspects to it. 
by the way, we rushed her to the dentist and she got her tooth put back in. If you do that within like an hour, you can keep, you can save the tooth. And wow. Someone else called the police and had them deal with the guy. So there's a distinction between that kind of extreme paranoia that someone with schizophrenia might have versus someone with a paranoid personality trait who's in touch with reality. And all the personality disorders are in touch with reality, but they put a spin on reality, an exaggeration or all or nothing, jump to conclusions. And paranoid jumps to the conclusion that people are trying to harm them who aren't. Well, then how how do you differentiate between, you know, let's say uh, schizophrenia, uh, schizotypal, you know, with paranoid, um, other mental disorders and parano the paranoid personality? The thing is with, with the personality disorders, it's a spin, whereas like schizophrenia, people really are out of touch with reality. So they may hear voices that aren't there. They may see delusions that aren't there. And what's interesting is I worked with a lot of people with schizophrenia in a psychiatric hospital for several years, and they they really generally aren't hostile to other people. That incident I described is actually quite rare. Generally, people with schizophrenia cause themselves much more trouble than anybody else. And it's sad. And however, schizophrenia, there's medications that have made a huge difference. People are able to work people able to have relationships. With personality disorders, we don't have medications for that. It's really more fundamental in how they operate in the world and hard to change. And often they don't because they don't think they have a problem. Right. You, you mentioned suspicions. Um, <clears throat> and I, I think of that combined with accusations. So with the paranoid personality, maybe that's it, is the, the suspicions the suspicious personality um, combined with the accusations, would that be accurate? Yeah. Well, that'd be the HCPs, the, mm -hmm. the paranoid. So maybe half of these five personality disorders aren't HCPs. They don't focus on targets of blame, but maybe half are. And the paranoid half that are will sue you for things that didn't happen, will, you know, engage you in public sometimes that, you know, this horrible behavior is happening. And they may be convincing. Again, just like the histrionic personality, the narcissist, the antisocial, they can be very persuasive blamers. It's all your fault, and they convince other people which can make your life really miserable. That's why we say can ruin your life. But we say can ruin your life. That's not necessarily they're going to ruin your life. But you need to be kind of on notice that there's a possibility here. Mm. What are the stats on paranoid personality disorder? Well, that big National Institutes of Health study from the early 2000s put it around 4.4% of adults in the U.S. population. So that's a little higher than, uh, say, antisocial or histrionic, but not as much as borderline and narcissists. So, um, and, and it's a little more female than male, but not much different. They're within a 60-40 uh, range. So you'll see men like this. You'll see women like this. Hmm. I was just thinking about some of the other types that we've talked about, like, for example, the the 
antisocial personality, you hear the term antisocial and think, oh, they're going to present to you with anger and hostility and maybe some terrorizing behaviors, but really they present with charm um, in the beginning. Not every time, but, but sometimes. In thinking about the paranoid personality, it doesn't seem like someone who would be suspicious is going to present with charm at first. So do they? And uh, I guess if not, what do they present with? First of all, the some have overlap with the other personalities. So I think of I think of a family court case I had where the man was identified as having paranoid traits in a psychological evaluation about the child, about parenting, but he also seemed to have antisocial traits. So he he was very charming when he uh, you know found his soon to be wife and married her, but then the charm you know, went away and the fears and paranoias took over and he he became abusive with her. Now, that's not necessarily a, a frequent paranoid trait, but this person overlapped with an antisocial personality, which often is abusive. Interesting. Uh, we talked about the five types having fear-driven personalities, or as I like to call it, a, a fear-wired operating system. <laughs> uh, what is the fear that drives the paranoid personality, the HCP? Well, they really do believe in their fears. And so they think that people are going to betray them, that they can't trust people, especially in close relationships. And so that makes them, in many ways, quite lonely because the people that are around them get scared away from them because of their own behavior. Um, If they are in an ongoing relationship, it's often a tense one because they keep thinking, well, I know you're sleeping around on me, or I know you're trying to get my, me fired from my job. Uh, so they often lead high-stress lives and can be quite unhappy in their view of the world. We talked about in previous episodes what the experience is like for the person in a, you know, in a relationship with someone, whether it's at work or at home. So what's it like with this, uh, when you're in a relationship with someone with a, a paranoid personality, what is that experience like? Is, is it as exhausting as the histrionic or, um, you know, maybe terrorizing as the antisocial? It can be. Um, and again, all of these, there's a real range of severe to less severe, but it's often a walking on eggshells experience that what they find is, you know, they're being tracked. Maybe they're being, uh, you know, there may be surveillance cameras um, that you don't know about because they're so suspicious. Um, they they can say, where were you at 10.03 and where were you at 10.45? And then who were you with at 11.15? And, and that can get really stifling and and can really become abusive, even though it may not be physical. Hmm. Would, uh, you know, it kind of brings to mind the, the stalker. <laughs> Would you have, uh, when you talked about at, you know, where they want to know where you are at 1015 and where were you at 1030? And w- would this be the stalker type? Could be, could be. Um, it's, it's, um, it, yes, I'm, let me just say it could be. It's, it's not that I think more of antisocial and borderline personalities more likely to be stalkers than paranoid, but paranoid could be. Mm. Are they social 
Um, they try to be, but they're they're too suspicious. Um, and what's interesting for therapists, therapists, I know therapists have had people with this diagnosis in individual therapy, and they want them to be in group to develop more group skills, but they're they're too paranoid in the group. So usually they make everybody nervous because they're so suspicious and quiet because they don't want to say anything that someone will take advantage of is what their fear is. It's it's sad, and all of these personalities are sad. I have a lot of empathy for them, but until they learn to change and really work on themselves, the people around them need to be... Uh, need to be aware of what some of these difficulties are. Yeah, you know, and that's that's why we do what we do is really helping people understand that, you know, what drives people that have these high conflict personalities. We never ever are demeaning toward them. It's it, it these are we're talking about a, a group of people who who don't know that they have a, a kind of a different wiring from others. It's just very normal to them. And so the actions they take and their behaviors seem very natural to them. And I, I you know, based on the feedback we've had for, for many years is that people don't believe that a person with a high conflict personality doesn't know what they're doing. So what do you think about that? I think they really, it's part of who they are. And it, they aren't really thinking, oh, I'm doing something bad or harmful right now. They're thinking, if they're thinking at all about it, they're thinking, this is what I have to do to protect myself. And especially paranoid personalities always fearing they're being taken advantage of or going to be harmed. And so it really is. There's these underlying fears that drive these behaviors you know, like like with antisocial, which we talked about before, antisocial lie constantly. And people say, I know he knows he's lying. Well, yes and no. Uh, many times they say a lie, they know it's a lie. And next thing you know, they're really starting to believe it. And so I I think most of the time, most of these folks don't understand their own behavior and don't see that what they're doing is harmful, um, and they believe that it's necessary to do these awful things to to defend themselves. Yeah, I mean, it's like they're in in survival mode. I mean, they are in survival mode, really. And so it it feels for them and seems to them, and they wholeheartedly believe this because it is their operating system that. Anything, any bad feeling they have is coming from an external source. It's coming from you. And that's why you get the blame, because they don't connect the dots back to themselves. They just don't have that insight. And that's it exactly. Um, they don't connect the dots. All of these folks don't connect the dots and don't believe that they do and they're acting badly on purpose Think of them as sometimes like a child who just hasn't doesn't see the connections yet and aren't able to. So once we understand this fear-driven personality and we accept that they aren't behaving this way on purpose, right, with, with intention, it's just part of who they are, it really be behooves the rest of us to understand 
you know, the, the, the rules for their operating system, or as you like to say, Bill, that the, you need to the necessary skills to handle and manage those relationships. So what would that look like in, um, in the workplace if you have someone, uh, maybe an employee like this? Well, I think having a building a strong relationship between the manager and the employee so that they, they have regular positive contact. You know, you did a good job on that such and such project. Um, or we've got a new policy coming down, so we're all going to need to do such and such a little differently so that they're not being, feeling singled out unless there's something really they've done that they need to be talked to about. But in in all cases, is to try to be encouraging, even in disciplining, is, you know, I want you to succeed here, but you do have to come to the office on time. Uh, things like that. <laughs> so Give a little sugar first and then uh, yeah. kind of the, the directive, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. So in many ways, it's like ear statements and redirect behavior, you know, empathy and redirect and talk about policies or the reasons for things so that they don't take it personally, because they automatically take stuff personally if you're not really careful about that. But just say it's something we all have to do. Um, it's the policy, it's the policy, it's the policy. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so what don't you want to do with this personality type? Well, certainly don't publicly criticize them. Uh, there's a saying for a lot of managers is public praise, private criticism. And I think that's true in every line of work. Um, but especially for paranoid personality, they just can't take it. They'll feel like they have to get revenge for something like that. Um, and they can hold a grudge. I didn't even mention that. But they can hold a grudge for months or years. Oh, the grudge holders. Yes. Mm. Yes. And so, you know, do it privately if you have to do discipline and do it with a lot of your statements and talk a lot about policies. Yeah, you know, the the longer I do this, the more I realize you just start everything with an ear statement and then you can get most of the things done. Right? I think I think you're right. And what's great about all these techniques, ear statements and biff responses, you can use them with anybody and they're positive. So it's a safe bet. Yep. So um you mentioned revenge. What what would that look like? Well, they might hide your uh, project from you the day that it's due. Oh, ouch. In a marriage, they might destroy something important to you. Hmm. Um, after what you did to me, that kind of thinking. But they would they would do it in a way you might not trace it back to them. So maybe a little more devious than, say, one of the other personality types that's doing it just out of complete rage, out of control emotion? Um, possibly. Mm. Yeah. But depending, sometimes they overlap with the more impulsive personalities. And so you might get them yelling at you that you betrayed them and how could you do this and you're a horrible person. But they might be more sneaky about it because they don't want to be discovered. Hmm. If you could summarize paranoid high conflict personalities in one word, what would that be? Fear. Hmm. Fear. They're really afraid. They're honestly fearful. 
If I could have two words, it would be fear fear of betrayal. Fear of betrayal. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fear of betrayal. Interesting. Which is hard to live with in a relationship if you're always like being being questioned. Under and suspicion. Treated, tr- under suspicion. Yeah. Wow. Um, and I, I can imagine in this world of technology now that you know, someone with with this type of personality might use technology to track other people or because they are so suspicious. Would that be accurate? Absolutely. And with all these personalities, they often do the thing that they're most afraid you're doing um, Ah. to supposedly protect themselves. And so paranoid is a good example of that. Paranoid will have the will be surveilling their neighbor um, because they think their neighbor's out to get them. Um, and, and the neighbor's like, why is this guy, you know, got cameras on me? And it's like, because he's afraid of you, but I'm afraid of him now. And maybe I should be. So that's, that's the irony. Paranoid people could become dangerous because they think you're dangerous. Do they draw other people into these conflicts, into their suspicions? Yes, they can. And and a group of people with a shared paranoia um, can be very persuasive um, that there's some incredible danger that doesn't exist, but these people may share it. I think of uh, like Jonestown, um, the, the cult that went to... Um, I forget what country in South America somewhere, wasn't it? Or yeah, Yeah. Ghana, I think, or Guyana, one of those. One, either Africa or South America. (laughs) Yes, somewhere south. (laughs) And and Jim Jones was, I believe, antisocial, but also paranoid. And he convinced everybody to take, uh, you know, um, poison laced Kool Aid. (laughs) Exactly, it really was Kool Aid. And that they, you know, 900 people died because of his paranoia. And it's, and, and they were, he convinced some of them to share the paranoia and the ones who didn't agree ended up getting killed. So it's, it can be a very dangerous thing. Um, and, and that's, you know, fortunately it's not as common, but that it, the, the fear can drive dangerous behavior. And I guess that's the thing people need to understand. What tips do you have for dealing with someone um, like this in your life? Well, as with with all of them, I think ear statements, calming people, and uh, looking at choices, you know, what we call the CARS method, connect with them with empathy, attention, and respect, analyze choices. Let's look at what your choices are now so they get to pick something, uh, respond to misinformation, and they have a lot of misinformation. So you may want to just say calmly, actually, this and this is what's happening. So they'll say, well, I think people are out to get me. And you can say, well, that's one theory. But another theory is that such and such happened because of totally unrelated um, causes, and then setting limits. That's connecting, analyzing, responding, and setting limits. Interesting. Okay. Using policies, by the way, to set (laughs) limits. That's our policy here. Don't take it personally. I just have a policy that I can't have that behavior in my office or in my bedroom. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, you know, the 
in the workplace, we most most uh, organizations have policies that they can refer to, and that's that's such a good idea for you know dealing with any kind of high conflict situation and high conflict person in the family. It does look a little bit different. Um, so something I've been recommending to people is have a family mission statement or have a marriage mission statement, and in that mission statement, you know you can put those policies, so to speak, right, without them being called policies. Like, here's here's who we are as a family. Here's who we are as a couple. Here's how we treat each other. And then when you're in that, the heat of the moment with this person who's blaming you, accusing you, being suspicious of you, you can refer back to your family mission statement as the external policy. I think that can be a very effective um, thing to do. And I think some marriage counselors sometimes encourage those kinds of things. It just helps, makes it, normalizes things and also says what's inside and outside the standards of our relationship. Good. So if the light bulb just went on for you about this personality type, and you think someone in your life may, you know, have a a paranoid uh, personality or, you know, high conflict personality, it's important to avoid telling them that you you know, think they have this or that they they have high conflict personality or they're paranoid. Um, they, they won't react well, right, Bill? So um, they just, people don't want to think that they're flawed. They don't see themselves as flawed because this is very natural. This is their operating system. This is their default. So, and they don't connect the dots back to their own behaviors. So keep it to yourself, get educated and learn the necessary skills like Bill was talking about, the CARS method to learn how to manage your relationship with them. In the next episode, we'll talk about the fifth and final of the five personality types. It'll be on borderline high conflict people. You won't want to miss it. It will probably be a little bit longer than this episode. And for now, be sure to look in the show notes for links to um, all of our books and on-demand courses, uh, books like It's All Your Fault, It's All Your Fault at Work, which is particularly beneficial um, and a lot of insight into um, high-conflict people at work. Of course, the Biff series and Calming Upset People with Ear. These are just really good resources. In the meantime, be sure to tell all your friends about this podcast. And we wish you all the best in your relationships. It's All Your Fault is a production of True Story FM. Engineering by Andy Nelson. Music by Wolf Samuels, John Coggins, and Ziv Moran. Find the show, show notes, and transcripts at truestory.fm or highconflictinstitute.com slash podcast. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show. (laughs) 